Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Simsisms. Whirlwind. It's been a whirlwind for them. I think if you're going to make me choose, you know, between the two, what is it going to be? A whirlwind? Whirlwind. Part two. Wait, are we playing? Are we not playing? Are we playing? Wait, now our next game's that day? Holy cow, we got to play then now? And then we have a Sunday night game against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills? That's a whirlwind. I'm still stuck on the fact that you dusted off whirlwind. Hey, but well, go ahead. hey, watch out. This might really put you in a whirlwind. Watch out here, okay? <laughs> Simsisms. You know, usually you learn. I know. Usually, usually you I adjust. Do. You've proven to be very coachable over the last three and a half right. years, Christopher. But right. whirlwind is one that... That is stuck in your brain it somewhere. Is. <laughs> somewhere deep inside, whirlwind is right. going to pop out from time to time, and we will be ready to capture it and preserve it for all posterity. Whirlwind Part 3 coming, <laughs> coming to soon. a theater near you. Right. May 2021. All right, it's PST Live. What's Morning. bad, Mike, Wednesday. is I actually I, know that one. I know. like That one's one I know, and I still mess it up. I don't know what to say. I mean, I really know that's whirlwind. Whirlwind. I get it. But I kind of like the I think ring. There are others. There are others that you know or should have known. Yeah, That's what I makes know. It so I know. Much fun. I know. But I, uh, I, I kind of like World Win. I think it's got the same effect. It might stick. I, I kind of like it. Leaderhouse is my favorite. <laughs> Leaderhouse is one that needs to enter the lexicon. Leaderhouse is so much easier. See these little sayings because every once in a while you have somebody who come up with this cool saying to shorten a phrase, and it really doesn't shorten it. It's basically the same number of syllables, but you sound cool when you say it. Right, Leaderhouse is actually both cool and efficient. <laughs> a leader in the clubhouse is clunky. Right, Leaderhouse. Yeah, Leaderhouse. That's House. the one that I advocate. Okay, Leader House. thank All you. Right. Thank you for that. Uh, Three man weave coming up later in the program. Peter King is going to join us for the third hour of the program. We have plenty to talk about, like we do any other day, but for a change. And I am viewing this as glass half full, glass half empty. There really isn't anything going on today. Glass half full, we have more time to let anything we want to discuss breathe and develop it and converse. And fortunately, Wednesday is power ranking day. Usually we do it at the top of hour two, but we don't want to bother Peter King with such trivialities. We're going to do it now. We're going to review this week's power rankings. Mini shakeup at the top, and also we're going to get your feedback and answer your questions. And there are my power rankings, Chris. You're quick to point out. Don't blame you. Blame me. That's right. If people don't like them. But folks in Buffalo should have no complaints because the Buffalo Bills have now made it by virtue of their victories over the past two weeks over the 49ers and the Steelers all the way to number two. Whoa. Welcome back to the NFL's, wait for it, upper echelons, <laughs> Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Seriously. Well, they're there. 
You know, I, I mean, first off, like with the Bills conversation, I know for both of us, it's gone from the last few weeks of, hey, they're a playoff team to now, whoa, it looks like they could be a legit Super Bowl contender. So that's that they've changed their view, uh, or at least in my eyes they have. And I think a lot of people, certainly. Now, like with that 2-3 combination right there, how close was that? Like, you know, I, I wonder what Vegas would do in a Bills-Packers Super Bowl. I would think the Packers would be favored by a few, but, you know, how much did you have to nitpick over those two? Full transparency, I was upset with the Packers because they didn't cover on Sunday against the Lions, <laughs> which was one of our best bets. So they're not going to be number two unless they can beat the Lions by more than the appointed spread. They didn't have as good of a game as we thought they were going to have against a team they should have manhandled. So that's why I went with the Bills at number two. And also the Bills were already ahead of the Packers. Right. You've got to do something significant relative to the other team to jump them. They didn't play this year. They could play, as you said, in the Super Bowl. But I, that that was simple for me. Bills were more impressive in their win than the Packers were. Bills were already ahead of Green Bay. So they go to two. Packers go to three. Yesterday, Aaron Rodgers told Pat McAfee that the Packers I are know. great football I know. right now. And the Packers, look, hey, the, the, I still worry, Packers fans, as should you, about one of these games where after the fact Aaron Rodgers is saying we didn't have much energy today and I don't know why because that seems to be looming right around the corner especially when things are going well like right now like is it coming right now when you have the one seed and all you have to do is win your last three games are you about to step in that low energy pothole that's what I worry about for the Packers over the balance of the regular season and into the playoffs, Chris. Yeah, I, I understand that. Well, I mean, we saw them kind of slip up against, you know, your Minnesota Vikings at home, definitely. We saw them kind of fall asleep at the wheel when they had a lead against the Indianapolis Colts. Those are their last two losses. Um, you know, I, I, they're, they're an interesting team. I hear you. I don't know. I mean, it's all about the offense, the efficiency, Rodgers. They're in a great place. So, therefore, you know, when he talks to Pat McAfee and all those type of things, he's feeling good. Because they're one of the best offenses in football. Points, yards, they can do it all. You know, I still question that defense. It'd actually be a cool Super Bowl to see Bills Packers and everything there. But with the NFC right now, and, you know, again, I don't know if there's, a, you know, there's no great, great team in the NFC with Aaron Rodgers at home, you know, in Wisconsin, Green Bay there. And, hey, it's, it's 12 degrees and it's divisional Sunday. And now it's championship Sunday and it's 10 degrees. That, that's that's the biggest home field advantage to me uh, that I can really look at right now in the NFC playoffs this year without no fans and things like that. And that's where they can be dangerous. And you're right. They got a chance here to hold on to it. Let's see if they can do that. They got one legit test left with that Tennessee Titans game. Number one seed back in 2011 and your New York Giants went yeah. there and put the hurt on the Green Bay Packers with fans present. I can remember watching that, it. That propensity has been there for the Packers over the past decade one of the reasons why they've only won one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers so whether they get the one seed or not I just worry about that one day for three hours in January where it's just not firing on all cylinders for the well, Packers me, and again if you're a Packers fan you should worry about it too yeah well Mike even to your point like think about last year week 17 remember they were down to the Detroit Lions and they had a they had a comeback and in a in a frenzy type comeback to make sure they could secure the number two spot. So that to your they had something to play for there. So that to your example, we have seen that before. And uh, you know, I, I don't think you're crazy to bring that up. Questions about the upper ranks of the power rankings as it relates to the Buffalo Bills. This is the highest the Bills have been since they were number three before losing to the Tennessee Titans in week five at the time the Bills were 4-0. Steve Ash 22 uk via Twitter asks, do you think the Bills have what it takes to beat Patrick Mahomes' Chiefs this year? I think, this is Steve Ash speaking, that the Chiefs are beatable with the right team. Well, yeah, they are beatable with the right team, but it's also you got to get them in the right spot because I feel like if the Chiefs see you coming and are fully prepared and ready to go, they're almost impossible to beat because even if you build a lead, they're going to find a way to come back. Do you think, Chris, that if the Bills and the Chiefs cross paths in the postseason, 
fully aware of what happened when the two teams got together in the regular season and the Chiefs kind of smothered the Bills. Do you think the Bills have a chance to knock them off in January? I do. I, I, I do. I, they would be one of those teams that I think could be scary for the Kansas City Chiefs, right? It's not a great, you know, we know Kansas City's defense. It's just NFL average, probably a little below that. With that offense and Josh Allen and everything like that, I think that could be a scary combination. Listen, we saw bad elements, you know, pretty close football game earlier this year, 26-17, right? Chiefs win over the Bills. But to me, you know, that that we know what the Chiefs are. The Chiefs are king of the hill. They're the man. It's Mahomes. I mean, it's going to take something special to knock them off. But I will say, from that little two-game stretch where the Buffalo Bills played the Tennessee Titans and the Kansas City Chiefs back-to-back, lost those games, they've played phenomenal football ever since. It's like they realized, wait, this is what we got to do if we got to get into the Super Bowl conversation. I think that was new for them. I think Josh Allen was nervous on the stage against Patrick Mahomes in the week before in the Tennessee Titans game on you know national TV and all those things. And I think they've realized... You know, they've answered that challenge is what I'm saying. And I think they've realized what it takes maybe to, you know, be in that upper echelons. Hey, oh, Seattle came to town. They're one of those teams. Let's beat them. Oh, the 49ers are getting hot. Oh, we can't beat them on a Monday night football. Watch us. You know, and then, of course, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I think they're a totally different team than earlier this year. And now we're in that, like, wait, let me stick out my chest. We're kind of good. We got some confidence here. We're playing some D. And Josh Allen has shown he can manage games a little bit. So we... That's where Buffalo, to me, is change, and I think that could be a scary matchup for Kansas City uh, when that time comes. I spoke to Allen after they beat the Chargers, and I said, look, you've got three primetime games coming up. You've got an NFL Network Saturday game coming up. Is this your opportunity yeah. to basically let right. the world know what the Bills are? And he downplayed it, but you look at how they've performed the first half of those games, yeah. 49ers, Against Look, the 49ers are still the 49ers, even with all the injuries. They have Kyle Shanahan, and both you and I thought the 49ers would win that game. The Bills were impressive then. They were impressive against the Steelers. Now they go to Denver, which is not an easy place to go play and win. And then they have the Patriots on what will be the last Monday night game of the year. So this is a great test run for the Bills in big spots where everyone's watching and gets them ready for that wild card game where maybe this time around – they don't blow a big lead. They don't come out sluggishly. They just come out and take it. I still don't know whether that means they could beat the Chiefs, Chris, because, look, all the way back in early September, you were saying Chiefs to repeat, Chiefs to repeat, Chiefs to repeat, yes. because there hasn't been a repeat since the 2003-2004 Patriots. Right. Like, yeah, but right now, though, and I'm I'm always inclined to take the field. Yeah, but you ain't this year. Pick a team or the field. <laughs> pick a team or the field. Shereen Williams and I were talking about this last night. Chiefs are the field. I'm taking the Chiefs right now. I'm taking the Chiefs to win it all. Chiefs are the field. I, I, I'm with you, Mike. I, I, I am too. In a year where we're like we're not seeing any real great dominant defense in the NFL, and yet we know the guy can already, and the offense and the team can already overcome great defenses in the NFL, like we saw them do in the Super Bowl last year. Uh, I'm 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 with you, Mike. I mean, and just. The confidence in which they play, you know, you could take it good or bad a little bit, but, you know, the the glass, you know, half full look at the Kansas City Chiefs is go, they're 12-1, and one, and I'm not sure they've played an A game the whole year as a complete football team. You know, they've had games where special teams and defense are good, and then the offense wasn't great, or the offense is great, and, you know, the special teams are good, but the defense falls apart, or or the offense just is sloppy, and they just get it done when they need to. So that's what's scary, too, Mike. I mean, they, they could be one of those teams that, you know, all of a sudden the playoffs come, another level of focus comes, and they bring their level of game to a, a, an area we haven't seen, and maybe they just you know, kick the crap out of everybody in the AFC playoffs and end up in the Super Bowl and who knows what happens there. But I'm with you. I'm not I'm taking the Chiefs against the field too. One more on the Bills. The Laughing Man Five via Twitter says, Can we talk more about Eric Bienemy for head coach and less about Brian Dayball? <laughs> yeah. Bills Mafia is right. trying to keep the team together for at least one more year. That relates to one of my grievances that we have coming up later in the hour. But yeah, I could look. Th- this is always one of the mm. problems of being a great team. You have to worry not just about your players becoming attractive in free agency when they're able to go get paid. You have to worry about your coaches being head coaching candidates right. and having to backfill. And maybe it works, and maybe it doesn't. And maybe it takes a couple of years to get a new offensive coordinator up to speed. 
I don't know that Brian Dayball is a serious candidate. It all depends upon how many jobs are available and whether and to what extent he's available to be interviewed. I continue to believe that's a major impediment. The rules that the NFL has in place, keeping guys from taking jobs until their teams are done, the farther the bills go. And I guess that would be my advice to the laughing man five root for your team to go as far as possible, because that tends to make it harder, not always, but in some cases to get that job because there are teams that just want to get their position filled, all things being equal, they'll take the guy who's available. Yeah, no, I mean you're you're right about that. We've seen it. It, it kind of hinders the 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 coach that you know makes that deep playoff run. But I understand our man's fear here, and you know those two names. That's that's where it starts, at least for the offensive guys this year. When you just talk about hey, offensive names, offensive, you know, coordinators who are going to be head coaches, guys that could be quarterback whispers and understand how to move the ball a whole different a lot, you know, a lot of different ways. Man, Bianami and Dayball are where it's at, you know. And and Dayball, you know, I, I of course I I was with him in New England for a little bit. He's got the head coaching mentality. You know, I think he's going to be a perfect fit one day. And then how could you not recognize what he did with Josh Allen? I mean, most people thought he was not fixable, right? And the fact that, hey, you know, one, he sees the talent in him and all that, and the Bills organization did too, but, hey, they cleaned him up. They, they, they figured out how to fix his mechanics, make things work, bring out his talent to the utmost ability in which he has. That's worth something too. I mean, if yeah, Biennemi and Dayball, to me, I, I would be really shocked, actually, if both of them don't get a job this year. I really would be. On the other side of the top five, we've got the Los Angeles Rams. They are at six, the Seahawks at eight, two teams from that division in the top 10. The odds right now, courtesy of PointsBet, has the Rams minus 200 to win the division, the Seahawks plus 165. What a difference from earlier in this year when it looked like the Seahawks were going to run away with it. Who do you like between those two teams to win the division? I'm settling on the Rams, even though I've been a Seahawks guy the past few years. It sure feels like the Rams have what it takes to win the division. It definitely does. I, I mean, Seattle seem. I mean, the the Rams seem to be a more complete football team. I guess that's the the phrase I would use. Just you know, more consistent week to week on the offensive side of the ball, and then the defense is is special. It's top notch. I mean, there's not really anything you could say negative about that Rams defense. We saw what they did to the Patriots. I know that's not a great offense, but hey, they've already given Russell Wilson issues and a lot of other offenses issues. Yeah, I go with the Rams. I do. You know, you you know the big thing with the Rams. I mean, I, I like the football team a hundred percent. You know, the big thing is they're a little bit of a matchup football to me team to me in the sense of. When they play that wrong matchup and okay, like we've talked about nine zillion times over the last two years, where now the McVeigh trickery, you know, and him screwing your defense over with his little formula plays there doesn't work. You know, yeah, I do worry about Jared Goff. I, that that's that's really the the first thing that comes to my mind when you come to the negatives of of the Rams when they match up against you know the the upper teams of football. Um, but I still think they're a better team than Seattle. Yeah, I agree with you right now, and the defense has come along, and with Cam Akers getting better and better every week and the team seeming to build the running game more and more around him, that could be a key. When you look at the factors we always talk about for January football, running game and defense, running game and defense, running game and defense, who's yeah. got it better than anyone else in the NFC right now? It's the LA Rams, right. and Rams-Chiefs would not be a bad Super Bowl just a couple of days after we were reminded of that Rams-Chiefs game from 2018 when we saw that Ravens-Browns game, the most exciting game since Rams-Chiefs, arguably. We could have Rams-Chiefs again when it's all said and done. Here's a question from NFL fan Matt. Did the Cardinals find something on offense on Sunday against the Giants, playing more backyard football between K-1 and DeAndre Hopkins? Question mark. What do yeah. you think of that? Well, the offense has not been special. I don't know if they found anything that I looked at, and i got to watch that that side of the film back a little bit because I haven't seen that to really give a, an in-depth answer there, but they weren't moving the ball at will or anything like that against that Giants defense. You know, it was more or not the, the Arizona defense setting up the Cardinals offense. You know, the thing that I do like about the Cardinals is they can play some ugly football. It doesn't have to be 400 yards by Kyler Murray running and throwing in this highlight show. You know, they've shown the ability to kind of grind it out 
and win games 20 to 17 and play that style of football. I think that's what's kind of impressive about them. But no, I think their offense is still in the midst of trying to figure out a few other avenues of how to attack offenses right now. You've heard anybody that's listened to me is tell you it's become kind of predictable. And I think defenses have figured that system out to a degree, let alone I think Kyler Murray's probably a little banged up too. NFC South, a race to the finish line. The Colts at number seven, the Titans at number 10. Man. However, our friends at Points Bet Sportsbook have the Titans as the minus 160 favorite. That means, as always, you got to bet 160 to win 100. The Colts plus 130, bet 100, win 130. So the Titans favored to win the division. And the upcoming schedules Tennessee, final three weeks, they have the Lions at the Packers at the Texans. The Colts have, final three weeks, the Texans at the Steelers and the Jaguars. Both teams big tests when week 16 rolls around. Who do you lean toward between Tennessee and Indianapolis? Well, I, I like, I think, Tennessee, the football team, better than Indianapolis. There's a lot that I like about Indianapolis Colts, and if they can continue to run the ball like we saw last week a little bit, it might make me think differently of them. But... You know, the, the Titans' offense is elite. There's just no other way to say that, and it's tough to stop. You know, of course, we know they have an elite running game and offensive line, and then, you know, Tannehill and the weapons are sneaky elite and what they do in the pass game. Yeah, it might not be 45 attempts and 400 yards, but, it, 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 it you know, so many weeks it's 18 completions for close to 300 yards, or it's big plays when they strike in the passing game. Um, so I, I'm a little bit more of a fan of them right now. Plus, I, I'd like to see the Colts and Phillip Rivers in playoff football first before I give them give them that ranking over the Titans. I mean, this five through their six through ten area, I, I I don't know how you feel, Mike, but I just I look at that and go, it almost can change weekly right now. I mean, it really does. It, it's hard to figure that group of teams out. Uh, you know, I don't think they're perfect. They're kind of a work in progress and they're kind of all over the place as far as week to week performances. I always say throw out the first couple of weeks of the season as it relates to whether or not you should freak out about your favorite team or feel all that good about your favorite team because things change dramatically. However, those games, those outcomes, those final score and what they do in the standings can resonate because right now the Titans have the advantage over the Colts in the tiebreaker for division record because the Colts lost to the Jaguars in week one. Whoa, the only win hurts. of the season right. for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You take that away. Number one, the Colts have a one-game lead. And then number two, they have a push in that tiebreaker. But right now, since they were one and one in their head-to-head -head series, it falls to division record. And the Titans have that advantage by one game in the loss column because the Colts lost to the Jaguars, and that could be the thing that keeps the Colts from winning the division. Uh, let's slide a little farther down as we try to figure out the seventh seed in the AFC. Dolphins at the 11th spot in the power rankings. Ravens at 13. For the seventh seed, points bet has the odds at Baltimore minus 910. You got to bet 910 bucks to win 100 overwhelming favorite then are the Ravens to get the seventh seed Miami yeah. plus 200 the Las Vegas Raiders plus 350 I'm surprised the Ravens are that strong of a favorite considering that right now technically they're on the outside looking in I know but I think it's got a everything has to do with the, the the Dolphins and their schedule right I mean and just the way you know and and two quite honestly with Tua Yes, they've been winning, but uh, to me, it, it's lessened them a little bit as far as a dangerous football team is concerned. You know, I, I do because I still think they're they're still managing him to a degree. They can't just let him go out and just call any play they want. And I'm not saying that's a negative. That's okay. It's you know he's a rookie quarterback. Most of them need to be managed to a degree. Um, but man, that schedule. You know, to play the Patriots this week, we know what that's going to be. I mean, of course, that's a personal battle. There's a lot of common knowledge between both sides there. And, you know, we know the Patriots are going to have a good game plan and things. But then the week after that, the Raiders, who will have, you know, extra time because they play this Thursday, I think they're a tough matchup for Miami, actually, in a lot of ways. I really do. And then the Buffalo Bills to end it. You know, the Miami, 
Maybe their best scenario is to hope Buffalo has nothing to play for the last week. That might actually help them get in when all said and done. But if you made me bet money right now, Mike, I don't know about you. I'd, I'd take the Ravens too. Interesting dynamics are going to come into play the last week of the season as well. We've seen this before where there's a team with a higher seed that would kind of not be all that upset about losing because they have a better wild card matchup with the lower seed. Right. I think back to Tony Dungy's message, though, from 2006, when being the higher seed, even though they didn't get a bye, gave them home field advantage in the AFC championship game. You want that higher spot on the playoff tree if you Just can in get case. it because right. you never know when it's going to deliver for you a home game with everything on the line. But this year, the argument is it doesn't matter. There's no home field advantage. Well, here's where it matters. You get to stay at home. You don't have to travel. You don't have to add that extra stress and strain on your body and on your mind to go into a potential coronavirus hotspot in January. You get to stay home and you get to sleep in your bed most of the week and you you're just you're you're comfortable there you're it's it's although we'll talk about postseason bubbles coming up maybe nobody's going to be sleeping in their bed voluntarily by the time it comes around but I still think there's something to be said for being as high on that ladder as you can be and being at home even though home field advantage Chris this year isn't what it is in any other year no I I know I mean you're right but I I think that's the point you're exactly right though you'd still doesn't matter. Traveling, as we have talked about off air before and things like that, that can still wear you out. You know, the fact of, hey, like just the, oh, I got to get all right, practice. I got to go home. I got to pack. Okay. I got to be back at the facility to get my, you know, airport screening there and then do that and get on the bus. And all right, now we're in the plane and it's, you know, to the hotel. It, it, it can be a whirlwind of a day, whirlwind, just throw you all over the world but finally before you settle into your hotel room. So, uh, yeah, that's still a real aspect, fans or not. Mike, we're at, like... And you... one, more, one more advantage, too. Let's right. remember this, because yeah. we talked about this earlier in the year as it relates to potential coronavirus transmission. You want to be in a home team locker room, not in no some doubt. crappy, tiny, small, someone's butt is in your face visiting team locker room where there's no way you can keep your distance, and that is the day where if anyone slips through the cracks shedding virus it may be shed all over you yeah, that's right and I don't know what butt-to-butt transmissions like in a small locker room so I haven't checked that science out but I got you you're right I mean it, you're you're definitely right all right I'm trying to make me funny I'm sorry all right all right that's let me all right. ask you this I though they get a Tom Brady's couch again. <laughs> if you're yes if you're the Dolphins and you got you know Miami right all right so let's just say Pittsburgh loses to the Colts in a few weeks right now now Buffalo's the number two seed Right. And uh, they get to that last week of the year. You know, if they have a plant chance to where it's play and maybe knock the Dolphins out or rest up and get ready for the wild card game, and then you have to see maybe the Dolphins the next week too, which one would you do there? I just think that this year, I, I'm just, I want to play to win. I just think that there's something to be said for playing to win and not try to get too cute and not try to engineer who you're going to play, especially in the AFC. I think all those teams are dangerous. I know. You know, the idea of laying down and losing to the Dolphins and then playing the Dolphins the next week, I I don't like that. I know. I don't like that. Do you like playing the Dolphins and beating them and then having to have the Ravens come to town the next week either? That's that's why I kind of brought it up because it's – Well, well, yeah, I mean, but – that's a tough one. That's why I brought I, it up. It's yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I still, I, I ultimately want to have confidence in my team. I agree. And we'll, we'll take on anyone. I think that mindset is more valuable than the strategic effort to try to get a better matchup. Although, as you say all the time, it's a matchup-driven league, and maybe you can succeed right into a matchup that is going to get you knocked out. I just, I think that the that 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 suit of mental armor. That is, we will take on anyone and we will beat anyone. I think that's where the value is going into this playoffs, especially because at some point you're going to cross paths with the Kansas City Chiefs. You, you don't want to have anything other than this air of we'll take on anyone right. because at some point we may have to take on the best team in the league. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I'm, I'm with you too. I mean, you know, play football. You know, try to be at your best, you know, and if it gets to that week 17 matchup, if you want to take your guys out in the fourth quarter or whatever, I mean, you always have that option to do that type of stuff. But, you know, I I would probably take your your route, too. If I had to play the Dolphins like that, 
You know, it is Brian Flores. You know, he knows Brian Dayball a little bit. All those, I'd probably try to knock them out. I don't want to have to play them a third time and deal with that. We'll take our chances with the Ravens coming to town. I'm, I'm, I'm more of that line of thinking as well. Last but still least, the NFC East. Washington at 17, Eagles at 20, Giants down to 22 after losing at home to the Cardinals, and then there are the Cowboys in the nobody cares range of the nobody. power rankings at number 27. Uh, Steve Kornacki has that path that he put together this weekend for the path to the NFC East Championship. Washington currently with the best chance of winning at all, 71%. Giants at 17, Eagles at 11, Cowboys at 1%. Uh, question from PFTP on Posse, the guy who runs that account is a Cowboys fan. Do you factor got flexed out of prime time slash national time slots into your power rankings? Not not expressly. It's just part of the broader nobody cares about the Cowboys formula right now. And frankly, we went through this earlier this week when we started to talk about the outcome of the Cowboys-Bengals game. And all due respect to Jerry Jones, who's going to do his best to sell his team and has been great over the last 30-plus years at selling his team. Currently, Chris, nobody cares. No, I, I, you're right. I, I, could, I could care less, you know, as well. I mean, that was the least interesting game on the TV last week. It really was. Cowboys, Bengals. I mean, I just couldn't have cared less about it, really. Uh, so they are, yeah, America's team maybe, but not this year necessarily. And, Mike, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see what goes on in that NFC East. I really am. I mean, the one the, you just look at that graphic, and, Nicole, if you could throw that up again, the the Steve Kornacki uh, special there. I, I mean, there's there's like still a part of me that I look at it and just go, man, Washington could lose to the Seahawks this week. We know that Washington can lose to anybody. You know, they can. We know their offenses. They're offensively challenged. And I mean, what if Jalen Hurts and them beat the Cardinals this week, even though maybe not likely they certainly could beat the Cowboys next week. I mean, you really could be looking at a showdown between the Eagles and Washington uh, for for the NFC East. When, when all said and done there, and that would be phenomenal. But, uh, I mean, I, I would not be shocked. I just think the Giants' schedule might be too much to overcome with the Browns and Ravens, and I just look at that, that matchup, and that could be for something there in Week 17. That's what I'm rooting for. I am rooting for Washington-Philly Week 17 NBC primetime. Now that the Browns lost, and it's going to be a very long shot for the Steelers and the Browns game to come down to Week 17 for the AFC North, unless the Steelers somehow lose to the Bengals on Monday Night Football yeah, this week. Right. Uh, Washington Philadelphia looks like the game, and frankly, if it's not Washington Philadelphia, I got to look around at the Week 17 schedule some more. There, there may not be a playoff play-in game. Usually, we can count on one, and I think one year there wasn't one, and we just didn't have a primetime game. I think week you're 17. right. Remember that? That yeah. was just a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah. If there isn't one, they just don't do it. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, the Cowboys in this week's Nobody Cares game play the 49ers who are at 21. Before we wrap this segment, I want to pose these questions to you. It's a combo from the Bat 8022 and What the Frick, man. If you're running the 49ers, do you move on from Jimmy Garoppolo? And if so, under what circumstance? And then also, part two from What the Frick, man, what veteran quarterback do you target? If you're the 49ers this offseason. All right. Well, I can't say that I've totally dove into the or dove into this subject to, to quite figure out all the particulars there. Um, I think right, start with part one. Do you keep one. Jimmy G or not? Pass fail. Yes. No. Well, OK. I, I would say it, it can't be that way. You got to have a plan first to know, OK, we have a chance to get this guy or that guy. Right. So they got to have you. You don't get a, to me. You don't get rid of Jimmy G. First, no. First part of my plan, I want a guy who can show up and play every week. It's not too much to ask in the NFL. Most sure. starting quarterbacks who are operating under major contracts find a way to show up and play every week. And I understand if you can't physically walk, you, you can't play. The point is having the awareness in the pocket and outside of the pocket and everywhere you are. The thing that's still burned into my brain is that stupid move from a couple of years ago on the sideline in Kansas City where he decides to be Jimmy Tough Guy and drop his shoulder yep. and he tears his ACL. Yep. You got to be smarter than that if you want to play quarterback week in and week out in the NFL. You, have, you owe it to your team for the money they're paying you to find a way to stay on the field. So for me, the easy part is 
bye-bye Jimmy G. I need somebody who can play all 16 weeks. I, I, then I, the harder part is who do you go get? Well, that you know, that that's where I'm saying I just think that has to be done a little bit. A little bit. You can't just throw him to the side and go, okay, he doesn't, you know, listen, he got unlucky, first off. You know, the referees... It's not, there's too much unlucky. Okay. There's too much but unlucky the, with this Jimmy This year, G. his original injury happened because the referee was so worried about his mask, he didn't blow the whistle, and Jimmy G was down, and somebody hit him and then hurt his ankle. I mean, so that's not his fault. That's a bunch of beak bull crap, and like the NFL should pay him an extra bonus. Hey, we, we screwed up your, your season. Here you go. But... Uh, you you do have to have, I think, some sort of a plan in place to go, okay, I know we're going to get this guy or that guy to replace him. You can't just go, you're out of here, and now let's figure out who we want. You might get stuck at the table going, damn, we didn't get anybody, or now we have to go to a, the draft and get a rookie quarterback. But I, I think it's it's certainly in uh, up in the air as far as moving on for Jimmy G. And I, I would just think Shanahan this year, after seeing like Russell Wilson and Rodgers, and Kyler Murray, and then what Josh Allen did to his football team. At some point, I would think he'd go, man, I need to get me one of these. One of these guys that, you know, gets me out of jail free card when my offense isn't kicking butt and can make things happen. And he really hasn't had that. And uh, that's where I, I think it's going to be a, a, an interesting debate or, or conversation. Isn't that – we're way over, but I, I'm fascinated by this because I think that's the fundamental tension in the Shanahan offense. His desire – to have a guy who is basically the Madden character as he works the controller from all of the predetermined <laughs> yeah, moves way to put and it. setups, right? Right. Versus the guy who's going to say, screw it, this isn't going to work. I'm going to go do my own thing because the last thing Kyle Shanahan wants is a guy who's going to freelance. It's a balance, but at some point I think you have to welcome that ability yes. to make chicken salad on the fly because it will get you out of a bad place. Right. I agree. I, I think so too. Yeah, you know, right. He might freelance every now and then. And, you, you know, oh, man, Shanahan delivered you an open guy and it didn't work out. But I think in the long run – those guys we're talking about make a lot more positives than they do of the negative aspect of, of what you were saying there. All right, let's take a break. When we return, we don't know what the future will be for the quarterback position in New Orleans. Is Jameis Winston a candidate to succeed Drew Brees? We'll take that question up next when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Okay, so Sean Payton appeared recently on the Huddle and Flow podcast, and he was asked about starting quarterback Taysom Hill and the narrative that Jameis Winston wasn't ready to lead the offense. Here's Sean Payton on Taysom and Jameis from the Huddle and Flow podcast. My thinking was a commitment I had made to, to Taysom in the offseason. It couldn't be any further from the truth, the second narrative. I and we as an organization love what we've seen from Jameis. And so when that situation arose and Drew was hurt, for a longer period of time. I visited with Jameis. I visited with Taysom. I had basically given Taysom my word in the offseason that, hey, this is long before Jameis even arrived, that he would have that opportunity as the two coming back here. I feel like, I said it a week ago, I feel like our next quarterback's in the building. And one of the attractions for Jameis 
and I understand it was there aren't many places in free agency where you can go to a team and have a pretty good bet that that quarterback like Drew is going to be playing in his last year. You know, that doesn't exist. You go to a team and then, you know, Hey, you're going to look for that opportunity to sometime be a starter. He he's going to have that opportunity the minute Drew leaves and both he and Taysom know that. That's fascinating for a couple of reasons. Yes. First of all, it proves that the analysis from four weeks ago that we began with, look at the depth chart. That tells you who the quarterback is going to be when Drew Brees is injured. Last year, Brees, Bridgewater, Hill. It was Bridgewater. This year, Brees, Hill, Winston. It was Hill. He's the number two guy. That's how depth charts in the NFL work. But the idea that Hill's going to have to fend off Winston. Right. If, as it assumes, and, you know, Peyton had to put the toothpaste back in the tube in the offseason when he said a little more strongly it's going to be Drew Brees last year, but that kind of he kind of said it again through right again yeah. that, that, hey, Jameis, you got a place to come sign where there's a pretty good chance this is the starting quarterback's last year, so you, got, you have an opportunity to get to know the offense, lay the foundation, and be ready to compete next year. I think that must have been a big part of his pitch to get Winston in the door. Now, what he owes to Winston, just like he owed to Hill, the automatic you're number two, you become number one. What he owes to Winston is the opportunity to compete with Hill to be the starting quarterback in 2021. Uh, yeah, yes. I mean, that's right. I mean, Jameis made the a great pick. There's no doubt about that. You know, okay, yeah, Sean Payton sees something in Taysom Hill, so he promised him to be the number two for this exact, you know, opportunity. Uh, you know, I guess the only thing I think of, one, I know they like Jameis Winston. I know. I've, I've talked to people down there. They've been very impressed with him, and I think they were ready to go with him if they had to in that first start that Taysom Hill did have against the Atlanta Falcons. They, they weren't scared to go with Jameis. But, you know, yes, there is belief in Taysom Hill. He is Sean Payton's, you know, pet project to a degree, and as you see, he promised him there. You know, to me, though, the, the thing, too, just in Jameis Winston's eyes, right, do you really want to do that? Do you really do you really think that if you just narrow like barely beat out like a, a Taysom Hill, do you think he's going to actually make you the starter? That would be what I'd be scared of because Taysom Hill has been there. Obviously, he is liked by Sean Payton and there's belief there. So that's where just for Jameis Winston in his own personal stance, even though they like him, I just don't know if you'll really get the chance to beat Taysom Hill out when that time comes. But he's already eaten the cheese. He's I know. Taken You're the right. Bait. He he's is. already signed on for this mindset, right? He could have gone somewhere else. Yeah. And I don't know how interested Pittsburgh ultimately was. I know Peter King, who will join us coming up in about 15 minutes, was advocating very aggressively that Winston go to Pittsburgh. Me too, I think remember? you were pushing yeah. that too. Yeah. yeah. So, I, and, and once you sign on for the Saints, you sign on for this, hey, I'll go, I'll go show Sean Payton what I can do. And I'll lay the foundation now to compete with Taysom Hill next year. And see, that's the other side of it as well. The competition's already begun. And they see what Jameis Winston can do in practice. They know what they're getting. This could be, quite possibly, a situation where Winston does surpass Taysom Hill in the 2021 offseason, if there is an offseason program, if there are more opportunities to create reps and to show that, hey, this is a guy threw for 5,000 yards. He's in the 5,000-yard club. Every other guy in the 5,000-yard club is either in the Hall of Fame or he's got a good chance of landing there like a Matthew Stafford, although Stafford's got to win a playoff game first before he's even in the conversation. But most of these guys in the 5,000-yard club are all-time greats. Yeah. And this is an early time in the career for Jameis Winston to have 5,000, and he's still got a lot of football left in him. So the best-case scenario is if you can continue to sell this to Jameis, you have a great backup behind a quarterback who's mobile, who's aggressive, and who may get injured. That's right. So the the win-win for Peyton is to have Hill and Winston on the depth chart next year. Definitely. And, you know, quite honestly, I don't – you know, with Jameis and the fact that he didn't get to play – you know, like Teddy got to play last year. I don't know if anybody's going to legitimately give Jameis Winston a chance to be a starter anywhere else. So this might still be his best chance, you know, to grow as a quarterback 
And then when he does get that chance to really succeed and reestablish himself as a big-time NFL starter. But I'll go back. I mean, just off of what you're saying there, last spring, I know I said it on the show. I know I said it to you privately a few times. There's a handful of coaches last year that were just they're blown away by Jameis Winston when they watch his tape and knew he was going to be available, you know, leaving Tampa Bay and everything. Where, you know, there is great interest in, you know, as we always talk about, you always say, these coaches think they can fix everybody and they see the good in him and his good is it's superstar good. It's whoa, wow, drop your jaw a lot during a game. It's just, you know, those bad is it's very bad as we know. And, you know, coaches think they can coach that out of him. But uh, I'm sure Sean Payton's seen some of that talent and likes what he sees. And, you know, hopefully it works out to where Jameis can stay there and, and continue to, you know, improve himself. Another factor. We see what Tom Brady and Bruce Arians have done together this year, which will cause more people to say maybe last year the problem was at least partially Arians and not all Winston. It was Winston who got thrown under the bus. It was Winston who got thrown out of town. Maybe that the no-risk-it-no-biscuit mindset and just that attack, that approach, that contributed to the 30 interceptions that Jameis Winston threw last year and the perception that the guy can't play. He can play. He can play. He was in 2016 when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were surprisingly good and they got hot and it all fell apart on a Sunday night. They got flexed into primetime with the – the Buccaneers-Cowboys game, that's when it ended. But before that, there was talk he's an MVP candidate in the second season, for crying out loud. So this is an interesting dynamic for the New Orleans Saints. If Peyton can hold it together, and maybe Winston quietly is already winning the early rounds of the competition to come what's to come here on pft live we want to leave a little time for airing of grievances i have a couple chris has one at least we'll discuss this week's as we get closer and closer i still don't know when the first day of festivus is or the actual day of festivus but the airing of grievances become more appropriate this time of year we'll do them next year on pft live juju smith schuster steelers receiver doing a little dance on the Pittsburgh Steelers logo, which is fine. He's a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh-oh, gets a little more awkward when you're dancing on the Jaguars logo. The Jaguars players may not like that. There he is on the Cowboys logo, and it got the Bills stirred up when it happened on Sunday night. Here's Mike Tomlin talking about the question of dancing on logos. You know, I don't know what you're talking about. That's the first I've heard of that. Um, you know, these are professional players. These guys are motivated each and every week. Sometimes they say things in an effort to provide, you know, a a vision of motivation and things of that nature. But I doubt um, knowing the the group that coaches that team, Sean McDermott, I'm sure that they were motivated in all the proper ways. And and that had very little relevance in terms of how the game was uh, played. Nice try, Mike, but we know you do the same thing. Remember the audio and the video from the locker room after they beat the Chiefs in the playoffs, and Tomlin referred to the Patriots as a-holes, although he said the full word. Uh, they, 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 yeah, you, you don't want these unforced errors. You don't want to give a team any basis to do the Michael Jordan get themselves riled up. It's, there's no benefit gained to the team by the individual dancing on the logo, none whatsoever. But you can take it any way you want. I mean, you know, listen, there's, you know, okay, so now he's what? He's going to dance in the end zone, and then the team's going to be like, oh, he's still on our logo. I mean, it just, listen, it's it's overblown in my opinion. This wasn't like – It worked, but it got the Bills Bills defense upset. Okay, sure. Whatever they needed to do, that's cool. That's fine. You're right. That is. Well, I know, but there was 11 teams that didn't. Yes. All right. I've had it enough, and this is something you might like this. I've had enough of the random referees spotting the football. Like, I've had enough of, like, hey, a guy caught the ball seven yards away from me in front of me, and now I'm just going to randomly figure out where I think he caught it and spot the ball. That's enough. How many times this year in a viewing room this week, this year on a Sunday, have we seen the referee on a big play come down the line and spot the ball? and take a step to the right or left. You'd be like, wait, wait, we just saw you go down the line, and now it came time to spot the ball, and you moved a foot to the left or it moved a foot to the right. The game the other night, the Baltimore Ravens game, there was two egregious bad spots. One was on the last series. Lamar Jackson had to spike the ball on third down, right? 
Before that, Mark Andrews caught a ball two yards in front of the first down marker, then got hit and tackled, and they spotted him short of the first down. What if that was third down? Everybody on the football field thought it was a first down because it wasn't even close, but the referee made a third down. What if that had been third and then they spiked the ball in fourth? That would, I mean, that, that would just be, hey, you're a dumb ref and you just ruined the Ravens' season. And then there was another play with Baker Mayfield. I'm sorry, one more time. On their last drive, right, he had a ahead. scramble to get a first down. You know the rule with the quarterback when he dives, or it's considered a give up, give up, right? He went down to the ground. He was short of the first down marker by two yards. They gave him the first down. Like, that's crap. You, you want to talk about the gambling and the legitimacy? That's crap that's going to get people pissed off. Hey. They got to figure something out there because it's, it's ridiculous this year. I've seen it, like, almost every week. Look at how much money swung on the safety that was scored at the end of the game. Millions went from one winner to the other winner. And if it's the result of a bad call, that's going to be a major problem for the NFL. But, Chris, they've been doing this for years. This is one of the low-tech inefficiencies of officiating. I remember a game in 1996 when I was watching the Vikings, my Minnesota Vikings, as you would say, and the Broncos. John Elway was still playing. I was My son had just been born a couple of months earlier. I was holding him while I was watching it. There was a controversial play, although it didn't cause the controversy it would have today. It was like a fourth down, and the Broncos went for it. And the official who had the spot was trying to hold the spot by hopping with one foot, and, and he hopped to the right just enough for the ball to be put down and the first down to be gained. So this very, very inaccurate system, a game of inches, right? No, it's a game of feet, as in where do the feet of the officials land? And until they come up with a better system, and they can if they really wanted to, this is what we're going to have to deal with. Yeah, they, they got to do something. I mean, you know, come on. I don't want to see, you know, a, a cue card brought out anymore to see if we got the first down or not. I mean, that still is in my mind. All right, I know you got one. What do you want to hit? Sorry. I think it's moving in that direction, though. That's one of the things Sean Payton said last week. We were talking about this whole next-gen technologies and yeah. the stuff they're, they're capable of putting in the footballs and how it can enhance the overall uh, presentation of the game and accuracy of the decisions made by the officials. I, I don't have time to develop. Okay. My I'm sorry. That I'm sorry. Yours was fine. Okay, I'll good. Put a pin Did you like you liked it though? I just I, I liked it. Happy. I liked okay, it. Good. You said I might like it. I was that made me inclined to not like it, but I ultimately, <laughs> despite my inclinations, did like it. Next Wednesday we'll do airing of grievances on actual Festivus Day. So we're, we're, we have to leave more time next week. Whoa. I'm gonna I'm gonna defer mine until next week and we'll have plenty more for airing of grievances on the actual day that is Festivus. Peter King joins us next on PFT Live. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.